Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder is underwritten by Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. Learning Rx, finding the right solution to give your child a foundation that can last a lifetime. And Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. CindySchulte.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back. This is our first show back after the Christmas break, and we're just so excited to be with all of you again. We are Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We can now say it officially. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and Epiphany Sunday's coming up this this weekend, and we have a guest today that will be joining us in a few minutes here, Father Dwight Longnecker. He's written a book about the Magi, and uh, we're going to talk about what are the truths and what's fo- folklore here, and who were these men that came yeah, to visit really Jesus. Really interesting. I, you know, yeah. I kind of believed everything that I saw on the television show. You know, I like the song you know yeah. at least the hymn you know we have all these little like you know idyllic uh, thoughts about the magi but we'll get the uh-huh. real the real scoop here from father dwight here in a few yeah. minutes well let's start with prayer okay in the name, in the name of the father, father and the son and the holy spirit, spirit. Amen. amen hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit to thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen, amen. in the, name of the father and the son and the holy spirit so did you have a good break Chris, I had a good break. You went I to the did. Liberty Bowl. You cheered loud that Iowa State won. By the skin of our teeth. Wasn't that a great game? It was oh, my a great gosh. Game. We were on our edge watching that. It was a great yeah. game, of course. You know, there are times when you want to get a little upset with the referees here and there. Like, ISU's had those problems We've in the past. We've had but good breaks. But you know what? The Lord is on our side. That's what my mom kept saying. <laughs> Jesus loves Iowa State That's best. Right. Is that That's what you're right. saying? <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> there have been enough injustices, you know, so um, now it's our turn. So, okay, yeah. well, I'll let you just... Rest on that one. I won't comment. <laughs> we'll talk about that in another show. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. So good. And your family was home and good yes, times. And you got to go to Florida with yours. Yeah, we had the whole family together. It was nice. It yeah. was just nice chilling out and cool, yeah. you know, just relaxing. Nothing just, to do. Isn't nothing that nice? To do. Just, you know, the spontaneous conversations mm-hmm. about what's going on, just kind of on the top of your head, just saying something and asking questions. And we're pretty excited because we have uh, an engagement in our family. Our Yay. oldest son's engaged to Anna and Grant and Anna. Yay. So we're oh, those we're wonderful things that happen through the holidays and the laughter that comes with being relaxed is just wonderful too matter of fact i wanted a little bit more of that so i was christmasing yesterday i turned on white christmas again and started watching that show i'm not it's still christmas it is it's still christmas liturgically it's still christmas my decorations are going to stay up until epiphany yeah, they mine are. are too. So they are. Yeah, okay. Well, hey, we got to say, uh, ladies, mosaic luncheon is coming up in February. Mark your calendars, February eighth at St. Mary's Nazareth Parish. We're going to have a guest speaker from the Emmaus House. So, join us for that, making our souls active in Christ as That's we right. as we join together in fellowship. I'm, a- I'm anxious to know more about the Emmaus House. They yes. do little retreats yes. and spiritual direction down there, so we'll learn more. It's, it's through the Diocese of Des Moines. Yeah, so, I've yeah. been there. It's a great place. And then we have the Man Up event coming Tuesday, January 16th at St. Augustine's Church in Des Moines. Um, there's a rosary at 510, then there'll be Mass at 530, and then they'll start serving food and drinks mm-hmm. at 610. And then the program starts at 645, and they're doing a panel discussion with some local men here with um, Brett Bosworth, Joe Stopulis, and Joe Teeling. And it's going to be moderated by Bishop Emeritus Joseph Sharon. So oh, that's, that's going to be good. I think that will be a very good, challenging, good Man Up mm-hmm. Let's go get them, guys. And, That's right. You know, 
That's mm, right. Think so. And don't forget, the men's conference is coming up Saturday, March 10th at St. Francis. And all this information you can be can be found on our website at iowacatholicradio.com. Yeah, check that out, ladies. Encourage your men because they've got some great speakers coming. I know one of them is Trent Horn, so it, he's, uh-huh. he's one of many good ones they from have Catholic, coming. Catholic Answers here on this, yes. for her, on this show. Yes. Well, and... Let's talk a little bit about the Epiphany tradition um, with the blessing of chalk over our doors and yeah, outside our houses. Yeah, just, we talk about this every year. It's just kind of a nice, th- nice thing is to, you know, some parishes, the priest will bless the chalk and you mark on top of your doorstep the w- number 20 with a plus sign, capital C with a plus sign, M plus sign, B plus sign, 18 for the year. And it yes. means some people say the initials stand for Casper, Melchior, and Balthazar, the wise men, but we can ask Father that one when he yeah. comes on here in a few <laughs> minutes. And also it's abbreviation for the Latin words, Christus Monsionum Benedicat, meaning may Christ bless this house. So. Yeah, and the hope is that you invite Jesus in and that the people that come in and out are blessed with protection and good health and comfort and guidance and peace and love and yes so many house ways. blessings are always good any member of your family can do this and there's a prayer and it's online and you can find it if you google it so yeah, i love that it kind of draws us back to the past and comes forward to the present meeting us you know bringing christ and you know bringing mm-hmm. all of time together time sort of collapses with okay so on a, things so on a personal note i like it because sometimes i don't get everything done in advent that i want to do for traditions and so this is kind of like an advent do-over i can start with epiphany and do something <laughs> you know what i thought you were gonna say it reminds me of what year i'm in <laughs> that too the older i get that's true where where am i what time is I've it? i've already yeah. written a couple checks and i have remind i have remembered to write 2018 so well, i'm patting myself on the back <laughs> good for you good for you well we're excited to have as our guest today Father Dwight Longnecker. He's a Catholic priest, award-winning blogger, and a freelance writer. And he's a graduate of the Oxford and Bob Jones University, and he's written 16 books on different aspects of religion. So he's very well, well-known and um, sought-after speaker for men's conferences. And he leads parish missions, retreats, and diocesan events. And he and his wife, Allison, have four children. So Father Dwight Longnecker, thank you for joining us, and welcome to Catholic Women Now. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Well, we're ha- having you on here to talk about your latest book, The Magi, which is timely with Epiphany coming up this weekend on Sunday. But you know what? There's some things that we were just talking about in our opening opening uh, show here that there's a lot of myths surrounding the Magi and their journey. So can you help us to start unlocking that and some of the myths and the and what the truths are? Yeah, what are the most common ones? That's what we need to hear probably in our time here. Well, the, the, story, the book is called The Mystery of the Magi, the quest to identify the three wise men. And um, this story, more than any other in the New Testament, uh, has been embroidered and embellished through the centuries. It, it began in the 2nd and 3rd century, very early on. The Gnostic writers, those were like New Age believers way back then, uh, they, they took this story of the wise men and the, the wizards from the East, uh, and they just went to town with it and, and began writing their own fanciful versions of it. And some of these elaborations found their way into the into the Western tradition, so that in Europe, through the Middle Ages, um, more and more levels of uh, symbolism and uh, legend and uh, embellishment added to the story, so that the story that most of us believe today, uh, and add innocently to our, in our Christmas tale of uh, three kings from the East who uh, were of three different ages, whose names were Balthazar, Caspar, and Melchior, followed a a miraculous star across the desert sands riding their camels. Um, well, a lot of that, I'm afraid to say, really isn't in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, it's a beautiful part of our Christmas tradition, but 
what I did in my book was to strip all of that away and say, well, what did Matthew say, uh, and how does that fit with what we know of the politics and the geography and the history of the time? And, and what I found was just really interesting. There were there were not three wise men then, is what you're saying. There, that's just, is that just an assumption based on the fact that there were three different gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Yeah, yes, very early on, they said there were three gifts, therefore there must have been three of them. But Matthew doesn't say there were three, and he, he doesn't say there were kings. Uh, he doesn't say they, were, they rode camels, uh, and he doesn't say they went on a long journey. So um, all these things were uh, some of the legends and, and um, traditions that accumulated over the centuries. Um, I mean, those things could have been true, but my point is that Matthew doesn't say they're true, and I stripped away what he didn't say and said, well, let's see if we can find out some, some basic facts about the Magi. So what did kind of some, what are some of the historical facts you did find to kind of tie this to what historically was happening at that time? What, sh- what should we be believing? Well, first of all, um, I should say that a lot of biblical scholars don't even think the Magi existed at all. Um, huh. They think the whole thing is a fairy tale. And so this is one of the reasons I wrote the book, was to go back and say, yeah, but what if it really happened? Um, and <clears throat> if anybody does think it happened, most of them would assume that the Magi came from Persia. But when I began looking at the historical data, um, although there were Magi in Persia um, centuries before the birth of Christ, by the time Jesus was born, they they were pretty much a spent force. And for some rather complicated reasons, uh, the Magi in Persia were almost certainly not the ones who went on the journey. Uh, Instead, uh, I looked a bit further and found that uh, Magi were actually spread all across the ancient Middle East, and that the term was... um, really just a generalized term for wise men, intellectuals, philosophers, uh, scholars, astrologers, and so forth, who would usually be um, in the court of of the king and advise the king. So um, this is where I began my study. So did they represent kingdoms, maybe? Um, No, I I believe that they were actually um, diplomats from the court of King Aretas IV of the kingdom of Nabatea, this was the kingdom just to the east of Judea and Jerusalem, uh, the area now occupied by Jordan and Saudi Arabia. And uh, my, my theory is that they came from the court of King Aretas IV on a diplomatic mission to the court of Herod the Great. Uh, and therefore, yes, there was a kingly dimension, although the, the Magi themselves were probably not uh, kings. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. So they were coming to pay a visit to King Herod, but then we know that that kind of got rerouted a little bit. Uh, say that again, please. It was a bad connection. Oh, I'm sorry. They were coming to then to the court of King Herod, not to 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 pay homage to the Christ child then? No, they were coming to pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews. Now, oh. Herod was known as the king of the Jews. Therefore, it made sense that they went to his court, first of all. I, I believe they went believing that Herod had a newborn grandson or great-grandson. This was right at the end of Herod the Great's life, so he was an old man by now. And I think they heard, they saw from the stars that uh, a newborn king of the Jews had arrived, and therefore concluded that it must have been uh, Herod's um, grandson or great-grandson. Wow. And when they got there, he sort of said, you know, what are you talking about? (laughs) And and they therefore redirected their, as Matthew says, redirected their search to to Bethlehem. 
Right. Well, and and is it true then that you know they they did not follow or they did not go back to see Herod because they were afraid? Um, I think it says in the Bible they were afraid of what he would have then done with that information had they gone back to him. Is that is that the case? Yes, it says that they were in the Matthew. Basically, everything in Matthew's gospel I've shown to be very accurate. Mm. Uh, it's all the extra legends and things which I've I've shown to be not necessarily true. They could have been, but. Most of them not necessarily true, but Matthew's gospel is actually remarkably accurate to what we know of the time period. Uh, and so, yes, we, we it says that they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, so they went back to their own country by a different route. Uh, and Herod was the Great was a notoriously ruthless, bloodthirsty tyrant. Uh, he had killed not only one of his wives, but um, three of his sons, who he accused of plotting to take over his throne, and just about every other enemy. So um, Herod's bloodthirstiness would have been known to the Magi. And then when he went on to kill all the little boys under the age of two, that's totally in keeping with his mm. character. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's, that's brutal. That's yeah. very brutal. So, so why is the story of the Magi important to the narrative of Jesus's birth and father? Uh, again, I missed that. Please repeat. Oh, sure. We, we must not have it. We can hear you fine. <laughs> We're sorry okay. if you're not getting our connection. Why is it that the story of the Magi is important to the narrative, to the story of the birth of Jesus? Well, you know, it's very important because I, I think in popular society, um, you know, Christmas is a very magical time. We, we, we've got twinkle lights and, 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 and tinsel. We've got uh, stories of flying reindeer and talking snowmen and... and, and uh, a fat fellow who comes down your chimney bringing presents for children and eats the cookies. And, and it's all a very magical time of presents and gifts and, and sparkle. And I think most people tend to put the stories of Jesus' birth. Uh, I mean, after all, there's a shepherd on a starry night who hears the angels singing. And here are the mystical wizards from the east like Gandalf and Dumbledore who ride their camels following a, a magical star across the desert sands. It's all very romantic and magical. And I think a lot of people put these Bible stories into the same big magical Christmas box with all the, with, with Rudolph and, and Frosty the Snowman. And I wrote the book because I wanted to say, hey, hang on. Look, these, we believe these things really happened. Uh, it took place at, um, you know, nearly 2000, over 2,000 years ago in Judea, and here are the political and geographical and cultural circumstances uh, which show uh, what actually happened. Wow, you know, that perspective of looking at it that way and kind of lumping the Magi in right with Rudolph and Santa Claus and all this, you know, I, I never thought of it that way. Somebody from the outside of the Christian faith looking in very easily could take on that perspective. Wow. I, I think so. You know, especially when, if they're not particularly a believer, their knowledge of the Bible stories is probably pretty fuzzy. And if they did get them, maybe they heard the Bible stories at the age in their life when they were also hearing fairy tales and and, and watching Disney films. And the, the Bible stories were all bundled up in their mind with those same sort of fanciful uh, legends and fairy tales. And I wanted to say, hey, let's look at the facts. Right. Well, and we know how important the truth is. Well, and, and I would... Yes, and, and it's true because... Um, we believe that the gospel story is true because it, it, if it's not true, then, our, then there's no such thing as our redemption or the, the, the cross or the resurrection either. Uh, and so we need to treat the story seriously as history because they happened. And if they happened, uh, it's for our soul's salvation. Mm. And I think it's brilliant because I just read something the other day about the, the 
the young generation of today is finding that um, hard time finding belief in God because they don't see the facts and they're turning more to science to back up things that they believe. And what you've done here is provided the scientific historical facts of the Magi. And that brings more of a, a concrete perspective to someone like that. Yes, and there's lots of details that I brought out uh, which help to show how all the details in Matthew's Gospel help us to identify uh, who the wise men were and where they came from. So why, do you have any kind of thoughts on why Matthew included this story in his Gospel? Yes, that's a, a really good question. Um, when the time of Matthew's uh, writing the Gospel was uh, probably within the first 10 or 20 years after Jesus' um, death, and we know that during that time, the early church was struggling with a really important question. The first Christians were Jews, of course, and the question they had was, is this wonderful message of Jesus only for the Jews, or is it for the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people? And remember in the Acts of the Apostles, there's this um, debate about this question. Mm -hmm. uh, the Apostles are divided in their mind about it, and the early Christians who were Jews would have said, no, 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 he's the Messiah only for the Jews, not for all these other people. So Matthew, right up front in his Gospel, brings the Magi into the story and says, no, look, even from the very beginning, these non-Jewish um, wise men came to the Christ child, and God brought them to the Christ child. Therefore, uh, Matthew's also making the theological point of saying um, Christ is for all nations. He, he's not just for the Jews. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's a brilliant point. I've, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, wow. that's I'll bookmark that point in my mind. That's good. <laughs> I like that idea. Oh, wow. Well, Go ahead, Julie. Um, well, you know, you talk a little bit about the cultures and events of the time of Jesus' birth from the mystery of the Magi. I think that's very interesting. And I think the culture, like you just explained, really helps solidify in our mind because we always see everything through the viewpoint of our culture today and how we live today. Mm -hmm. And bring that in about Matthew speaking to that he's the king for all people, not just the Jewish people. is good. Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. What do you hope readers take away from your book? Well, I think uh, that's one of the main points. This, this is book is not a particularly religious book. It's a historical book. And therefore, I would really encourage people, if they have someone in their family or in their, among their friends who are agnostic about the faith and kind of tend to think that the whole thing, you know, is a fairy tale and it's wishful thinking, um, give them this book because it'll make them look at the Christmas story again and say, wow, this is interesting. This really connects with um, historical figures. So, for instance, not only do I talk about Herod the Great, but I describe the politics about Herod the Great was connected with famous people like Anthony and Cleopatra and uh, Caesar Augustus and uh, all the early sort of Roman figures that a lot of people know. Uh, and it shows how, at the time of Jesus' birth, uh, all of these um, events were, were had just gone on, and he came uh, into this uh, whole whirlwind of, of political and economic intrigue, uh, and all of those facts fit in with what we know about his birth, which is which is pretty exciting. Sounds like a great walk back in time. Y yes, and I think um, people are interested in the three gifts, for instance, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, and a lot of times preachers will say, well, the gold represents Jesus being a king, and the frankincense represents his divinity, and the myrrh represents his death because it was used for anointing the dead people. And um, However, I've shown that um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh actually indicate to us where the wise men came from, because uh, the area of Arabia was 
famous in ancient times for its gold mines, not just its gold mines, but the purest gold in the world was found in the gold mines in, in Arabia. Furthermore, uh, frankincense and myrrh were taken from the sap which grew on bushes and little trees, which only grew in Arabia and East Africa. Uh, therefore, uh, these three very luxurious and rare gifts were kind of cash crops or representative um, uh, commodities of uh, the kingdom of Nabatea in what is now Jordan and Saudi Arabia. So therefore, the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, Matthew mentions them not really to indicate Jesus' divinity, kingship, and death, but to indicate that and to reaffirm where the, where the wise men came from. And yet, I think it's divine providence that they are gold, frankincense, and myrrh representing, you know, his kingship, his divinity, and, and his future death as a man. I think that's just uh, powerful yeah, how God yeah, does this. Yes, things. of course. And I need, I need to make clear that these kind of teaching points, which see symbolism in the Gospels and bring them out for our edification, these are all valid and, and good preaching points. Um, but my book is a historical book, mm. and it's not a sermon. So I, I went back and showed their historical significance uh, to identify the wise men, but not negating the fact that if preachers make these other symbolic points, that they're also uh, inspirational um, lessons we can draw from it. So are you hoping that different pastors will use this to educate their congregations from the factual as, they're, as they are sermonizing, or excuse me, as they're giving their homilies? I hope they do, and I hope they bring home the, the bigger point and remind the bigger point you, you, that our faith is historical. You see, what, one of the problems that we have in, in the Church, and not just the Catholic Church, the, the Protestant churches too, is that we can uh, theologize and, and make inspirational points about the stories in the Gospel so much that people can tend to think that the stories are really no more than uh, parables or fables mm. or... Um, inspirational stories that we read in the Bible. Uh, and so, for instance, Jesus heals a blind man. And so the preacher will typically say, aren't we all blind in our sin, and don't we all need to be enlightened by the light of Christ? And that's true, and there's a good preaching point, but we also want to come back and say, but hang on, Jesus really did heal a blind man, too. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, and he, heal, and, and he heals today just like he did 2,000 years ago. He does. And, but we have to keep that historical grounding in the gospel. Otherwise, the stories just become, you know, uh, beautiful uh, illustrations or yeah. beautiful fables, uh, which make a spiritual point. Um, and the spiritual point is good, but we want to remind people that it really happened. Yeah, this is truth. It's it's nonfiction. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm going to kind of take a little segue here, Father, and say, I think that Lisa Hendy, who who writes those time chime traveler books for kids, needs to pair up with you and write a chime traveler book for kids <laughs> on the Magi, so kids Historical get this fiction. Yeah, get this yeah. early on in their life. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. So wow. Well, and what what are you hoping that the readers will walk away with? I mean, obviously, you the main point it sounds like is the truth. You want them to know the truth. Um, anything else you want the readers to gain from Mystery of the Magi? Yeah, I, I think that's that, that's one of the, the main points, is to also, I hope, inspire their interest in uh, learning more about the historical background of their faith. Um, not just the Gospel stories, but the, the Catholic faith down through the ages. There's, I'm afraid to say, a huge ignorance amongst a lot of Catholics about the history of the Church and the history of the Bible and the history of our faith. Uh, Jesus was born in, into the into human history, and history is important. 
And so I hope readers will come away really intrigued to find out more. And the reason this is important now is because uh, over the last 50 or 60 years, uh, a lot of people don't realize that we have made huge advances um, through uh, new methods of archaeology, forensics, textual discoveries, uh, historical discoveries, um, um, all sorts of things that we've discovered about the ancient world uh, over the last 50 or 60 years. And all of these things shed light uh, on our understanding of the Bible. Just for instance, just this week, in excavations in Jerusalem, the archaeologists discovered a wax seal, uh, which refers to the governors of Jerusalem uh, in the uh, sort of time of King David, which was sort of 3,000 years ago. And the discovery they found actually supports and matches particular details in the Old Testament, which were spoken about. So it's, and they're finding these things all the time. And so to take more of an interest, and in, I would recommend a book like uh, Brad Pitchery's book, The uh, the Case for Jesus, uh, mm-hmm. and others, um, Bob Hutchinson's book, Searching for Jesus, which uh, out, out, out lays out a lot of these um, archaeological and historical discoveries. Wow. I agree. And I'm kind of a... Uh, amateur history buff, so I just, I'm, I'm loving all this that you're saying, yes. Father Dwight. And it, it sounds like you'll there. have another book in the writing coming, yeah, yeah. coming, Father Dwight. <laughs> so if people want, I need to do one about the shepherds now. Yeah, yeah well, that go. would be great. Yeah. Well, if people want to get a hold of your book or follow your blog, how? What's your uh, website that they can find you? Well, my blog and website is all together at dwightlongenecker.com, and uh, I always welcome more readers. It's amazing how God has used the blog to reach so many people, but. Go over to DwightLongenecker.com. I blog there regularly on all sorts of topics, um, and there's links to my book there. Also, there's videos about the book uh, with video interviews with various people uh, and access to buying the book on Amazon. They can get it in audio book form, uh, ebook, Kindle, uh, as well as hard copies. Wonderful. Well, Father Dwight, thank you again for joining us today. It was, gosh, I've learned so much in this show. So well, thank you for taking great. the what time. What a great discussion. You guys had some great questions. Oh, oh good. well, thank good. you. Thank you. Well, it was, it was our pleasure to have you on and just keep up that great work for Christ. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Thank you so much. Well, you're listening to Catholic Women Now, and we're grateful for the support of Fred Haas Law Offices. Mr. Haas has over... 35 years of legal experience, and he has compassion for those who have suffered a personal injury and pain. And he provides legal counsel. Also, he has an immense amount of empathy. And Chris and I, you and I have had lunch and sat down with him. And he just he just treats people with such a respect. And in the lunchtime with him, he, it's like we were the only people that mattered right. to him in front he's of him. So he's, just, he's, yes, so he's so good at that. Yes, he's just very good at that. So he is located here in Des Moines, but he serves client through, clients throughout all of Iowa. And you can... Phone number is 515-256-6301 or 888-338-6535, fredhaas.com, Fred double D, Haas double A. Well, that concludes to a, another show of Catholic Women Now. It always goes by fast, and the uh, Iowa Catholic Radio Rosary is up next. Yeah, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for sending your Holy Son, Jesus, and for all the many blessings and ways that you show your divinity through the Magi, through the shepherds, and and all of the beautiful um, things that you put around your Holy Son to point to his divinity. We love you, and we ask that you continue to walk with us in this new year. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Now go do impossible things with God. Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder is underwritten by Fred Haas.
Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. Learning Rx, finding the right solution to give your child a foundation that can last a lifetime. And Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. CindySchulte.com. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder every Thursday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. On the radio voice for Catholic Women Now. 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, and 94.5 FM, Iowa Catholic Radio. 